I've got a friend who's uh, a road worker, and I'm afraid that uh, he's stealing from his job. Uh, I hoped he wasn't, but one day I went over to his house and all the signs were there. Okay, the reason I had to start with that because it sort of fits with the whole searching thing that we're going to talk about, but I was going to tell it at a really inappropriate time of the message when I wanted you to be really heartfelt and I didn't think it would, I didn't think it would work. So it's out of my system. I'm not saying it's the last one, but at least we're off to a good start. So we're going to do things a little different. There's no overhead today. I'm sorry. Uh, but we will read. There is pew Bibles in front. I'm also not going to tell you the page. When we talk about searching, I thought your first search would be grab that baby, find the table of contents, find Psalms, go to the 139th one, and we will read it together. Well, you read it in your heart and your mind. I'll read it out loud, okay? Because uh, that could be crazy if we all really read it together. But we'll start there. We'll talk for a minute, and then we'll pray, okay? Ben's never going to let me talk again if I... Uh, Don't like follow some other protocol. So I'm going to give you a minute to find it. Uh, I'm going to tell you Psalm 139. Uh, It's it's a Psalm of David, and he probably wrote it about the time when he became king or maybe when he was uh, accused of being rebellious against Saul. Right. Who was the the king before him? Uh, It's a diary entry almost of a man who who didn't just love his God, but who studied his God and who couldn't get enough and who liked to talk about some of the deep things that he was thinking. And there's a sense of reverence when you come to a lot of the Psalms, but to Psalm 139. And before we get too far in, let's talk about reverence for a second or awe. And then we can think about it as, as, uh, as we study. So awe, reverence, uh, we often say things are awesome, right? Uh, and, and I think there's probably three things in my life that cause me to, to be awestruck or wowed. One would be creation. Uh, we went to the Grand Canyon recently, and we saw it. It was fabulous. That was a lot of water. Nate is constantly saying how many gallons per second are flowing over the Grand Canyon. It's, it's a lot. I'll tell you that. Um, number two, maybe an, uh, uh, something that someone does. You know, it's like we're really impressed by someone's actions. And we think that, that was fabulous. That was unexpected and it was, it was awesome. Or number three, an idea. You know, we get to thinking about something and we're like, boy, that was, that was neat. Uh, that was a thought about God that I hadn't had before or it was something that really, that, that's got me going deeper. So I want to take just a second before we start Psalm 139 and I want you to think about a time when you were struck with awe. Not just the last time you said, awesome, man, but... The last time that you really thought something was impressive. Okay, anybody not have theirs yet? Okay, think a little more because someone doesn't. Someone's like, it's silent in here. Don't do that. Last time you thought something was awesome. Okay, let's read together and let's know. God is awesome. Psalm 139. I'm reading from ESV, which is what's in the, what's in the pew. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, 
Behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hemmed me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the light be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. You, uh, my soul, knows that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I am still with you. Now this work gets a little crazy. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with a complete hatred. I count them my enemies. And then the big finish. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. So can I just say I could finish now and be happy. Because I love that psalm. When we're kids, we have this sense of reverence. Uh, it's like everything is amazing. You're eight years old, and the world is full of like this crazy, awesome stuff. But you go to school, and you learn scientific method, and you learn that there's like this answer for everything, right? And then that kind of somewhere it goes away from you. You know, you, you start to think, I've got this figured out. I may not understand what's behind it, but there's something behind it. Or it's on the movies, and there's a trick. You know, it's a photography or special effects or whatever. But David says, you know what? There's a time to be in awe of our God. What's ironic to me is the whole scientific method thing where we start to work things out. So Kepler is a guy that was often quoted as saying, and I'll say this right, Oh God, I am thinking thy thoughts after thee. So Kepler was one of those guys, studied the stars, came up with some of the motions, and he was like, you know what? I'm not studying this because I believe in the scientific method. I'm studying this because I'm in awe of it and I want to unpack it. And I hope that for us today, that as we unpack Psalm 139, that we're in awe of it and that then we're in awe of God. So let's dive in. We're going to pray and uh, see where we go from there. Dear Heavenly Father, you are our God, you are our creator, you do know us and uh, you love us. Thanks for this morning. Help us to unpack your word. Help us to store it in our hearts and go away with something special that maybe we didn't even expect today. Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to spend a long time in the first verse to the point where you're going to think, 
we're going to be here all day if we don't move it along. It's okay, we won't be, but uh, it's such a great verse. The reason you know it's such a great verse is because at the end, if you look in your Bible, there's an exclamation point right at the end, which says, even the translators thought this was amazing stuff. Now, it wasn't in the original. The Hebrews, ancient Hebrews, they didn't even use vowels, so they certainly weren't going for commas and semicolons and stuff. But you look at it, it's like every word. If you highlight the important words in your Bible, every word has something to say. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. Oh, Lord is the whole Yahweh thing, right? That's what the ancient Hebrews called God. Yahweh means the self-existent one. So that's the one that wasn't made by anyone. So it was a recognition of who he was. And it says you, God, he's the one that started this thing. You have searched me and you've known me. So let's talk about searching for a second. I, I don't know about you, but when I think about searching, it's not my favorite thing. Like, I search for things that are lost. Like, um, maybe there's a name, and I'm talking to somebody, and I'm like, I can't remember their name, and I'm searching my head for it. Or I'm in a big store, and my kids have wandered off, and they're looking at something, and I'm searching for them and getting a little annoyed, probably. Uh, or my keys. You know, usually I have a place where I put my keys, but if I don't, they're like probably between the, you know, between the, the cushions of the couch or whatever. So I'm not big on searching, but sometimes I like to search. Like I think about searching for a restaurant that I want to go to. And then I think about if they've got like a kids eat free deal to boot. And then I'm like, yes. <laughs> so that makes me happy. So when I think about God searching me, I think I hope it's the second kind, not the first. We search for things that aren't obvious, the thing that's hidden or misplaced. Do you know what a facade is? I'm going to tell you just in case, because it would be sad if some of you didn't know and I didn't say it. Okay, so you're going through um, like an old town or whatever, and the front of the buildings look fabulous. And you're like, what a gorgeous town. But then you go in one of the buildings, and it's scary old. You know, there's maybe wires hanging everywhere. It looks like, you know, the thing's about to fall down. And you think, how is the front so awesome? And the inside such a mess. And it's because they've put a facade on. A facade is the good-looking front on the somewhat functional back. And I think sometimes we do that, right? You know, we put a facade on. We put our best foot forward. We um, show our best attributes. We're on our best behavior. Whatever you want to call it. We try to do good stuff. And uh, we want people to like us, right? But we, and so we don't want to say, hang our dirty laundry out. I get that. But... But we pretend to be something that maybe we're not completely. We might even think on the inside, you know what, if they really knew me, they, uh, they, they wouldn't like me. Uh, and so we feel like we need to put this, this front forward. And in some ways, that's probably true. We probably do. When I think about myself, moment of uh, uh, self-reflection and, and uh, um, uh, conviction. So I've lied before. I've stolen I have uh, probably said bad things about people. I have put others before God. You know, and I bet every one of you guys has too. I'm pretty sure of it. And that means that if you look at the Big Ten Commandments, you know what, we've broken an awful lot of them, especially together as a group. We're kind of in a bad way. So when I think about God searching me, and then I think about him knowing me, I'm like, I'm done for. I need that facade, right? But what verse 1 tells me is that God has searched me and he's known me, but I'm still here. So then I think, well, what's up with that? And then I look at uh, 
Second Corinthians 5.17, and it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, and the new has come. So that basically means, hey, if I'm right with God, I still have a lot of problems. But you know what? God's rebuilt me, and so the inside isn't so bad. He knows me as I am. He knows me completely, and he loves me unconditionally. However, if you're in the other camp, the camp that hasn't made things right with God yet, then at the end of uh, 139.1, you don't have an exclamation point. You have a big question mark. You might read it like this. Oh, Lord, you've, you've searched me and you know me? You might be a little nervous about that, right? And rightly so, because, uh, because God knowing us when we haven't seen the saving grace of the Son, Jesus Christ... That's not good news for us. Matter of fact, you think about Adam. And so here's a guy, Adam and Eve, you know, they've eaten the fruit. God comes down in the cool of afternoon like he always does. What do they do? Well, they've sown fig leaves together. Great plan. And they're hiding behind a bush. And God comes to him. He says, Adam, Adam, you know, where are you? And he's like, Adam's over there. It's like, we're hiding, you know, because we were nervous. So do you think God didn't know where Adam was? I think he knew. So then, a chapter later, you've got the whole Cain and Abel thing. You know, and God's like, uh, do you remember how, how Cain kills Abel, sacrifice thing? And God's like, uh, Cain, seen Abel lately? You know, and, and Cain's like, uh, am I my brother's keeper? You know, so, um, so in both those situations, God knows. Matter of fact, uh, just like Adam, the Bible in the New Testament, Hebrew says, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So it's like if you don't know Christ, if you haven't met him, first one's not a good news for you. God knows you. Oh, you know what? I forgot to tell you my outline. I'll tell you this because it's pretty straightforward and I like it a lot. One, um, the first six verses, they're going to say, God, do you know me? And then the next few verses are going to be like, God, are you with me? And then at the end, it's going to be like, God, are you active in my life? So right now we're in the God, do you know me? And the answer is yes. Yes, he does. So verse two, it says, you know, when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. I love that. You know, when I sit down or when I rise up, what what action could be more innocuous in your day than sitting down and rising up? It's like you don't even think about it. So small, and that's the point, is that God knows the smallest things about us. He pays attention. Whether you're sitting down or rising up, and you think, that's so tiny. You know, he knows when the grass withers and when the sparrow falls, he knows. And then I think um, sometimes that it's harder than that. You know, for some of us, sitting down and rising up isn't that small. Uh, I remember I had my appendix out a little while ago. I went in for poison ivy and left one body part short. And uh, it was it was a good day in the end. But that, that you know, when I was out surgery, I think I was in surgery for however long, but I was in and out in like 12, 13 minutes. It was seemed very fast. And uh, that weekend, I did not like getting up and laying down. And I thought, you know what, God? And I didn't think about Psalm 139. I'm not going to tie it together. It didn't all come together like that. But But I thought... This is not very fun, Lord. I, you know, I like being healthy. I like it when everything feels good and works right. But it's not always that way. But then we come to Psalm 139, and, and he says, you know what? I know 
when you're sitting down and rising up. And to me, that kind of gives me goosebumps. It's like, you know what, the thing that nobody else cares about, the thing that maybe even annoys other people because it's kind of a pain, you're like, God, this hurts me. He's like, I know, my child, I know. And I love you just the same. And then he goes on, you search out my path and my lying down are acquaint- and are acquainted with all my ways. So if you're a traveler right now, someone that likes to drive, this is like the golden age because you look on whatever on the Internet and it tells you what the weather's going to be. It tells you the fastest way to get where you want. It'll either tell you, like, if there's construction or it'll have the little pictures of the crashy signs when someone's gotten in an accident so you know to avoid that area. I'm like, there's hardly a question about my path as I leave from one place to another, even if it's pretty far away and I've never been there, because there's so much to help me. And then I can look on the satellite and I can see pretty current images of the earth. It's amazing. And I'm probably not going to get robbed or stolen from or beat up on the way. I I periodically do get stopped by the police, but it's never my fault. So, um, and they're there to keep us safe, right? And that's good. David's day, not so much. That was a scary time. You didn't know if you were going to get cut by bandits. You didn't know if the roads were... Oh, and I forgot to say, our roads are in great condition, too. I mean, who doesn't love to drive on an asphalt on a car that you're going to feel like, you know what, this thing's going to make it there? But in David's time, you know what, your animal could die. You could hit an impassable path that you hadn't been in a long time. Someone could stop and try to kill you. So it's like when God knows your path, you know what, this is like playland for for God, where David was at was true, hard stuff, and God knew. So I love that. And then after a long day of traveling on the path, God's still acquainted with your lying down. Also fabulous. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, you know it. All together. So this one, this one scares me a little bit. The whole before a word is on my tongue. Uh, you know, this is, uh, so I think in my brain there's a bunch of synapses, right? Neurons and things are firing and, and somewhere a thought is formed. And I think, I'm going to say that. And then it comes out. And sometimes I think, boy, that was great. Sometimes I'm like, why did I say that? So, and and sometimes I'm not even aware of the process, right? It's like something happens and all of a sudden words are tumbling out and I'm like, oh, you know, that's not good. But God knew even before it was formed, he's like, I know that, David. I know what you're going to say. So um, I'm going to give you two examples. One, in our house, sometimes, you know, like Eric and I'll be talking and something will get my goat and I'll, I'll say something. And I'll immediately regret it. And I can tell America, Erica immediately regrets it too. And, you know, and I'll, I'll say, but, but honey, if you knew all the things that I didn't say, you'd be so proud of me. <laughs> you know what? She's never, ever proud of me. <laughs> so, okay, so, but then I fast forward to the New Testament. And I think about, um, I think about Jesus right after the whole, uh, there, there was the, the Last Supper, right? And then it says they sang a hymn. And then they went to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus lays on something. Judas is gone by this point, so this isn't to Judas. He lays something pretty heavy on his disciples. He says, you know what? This night, every one of you will betray me, will fall away. Actually, says will fall away. And, and Peter is like, <laughs> no way, Lord. Even if I die, I will not betray you. You know, you can almost see him stomping his foot like, you know, he's four or whatever. And Jesus is like, you know what? Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. 
Peter goes back and he denies it again. But what happens? Yours later, Peter, you know, he's all over denying Christ. Not just once, but, you know, he like nails it shut. He does it three times. So there's no question like, oh, you didn't hear me right, Lord, or whatever. He like, he does it full on. I think, you know what? God knew. God knows what you're going to say before you say it. God knows the things that you didn't say that you wanted to. But you know what? Peter loved the Lord. And did Peter get, like, pushed away because of that? No. That's the crazy part, is that Christ loved him, kept him. And uh, that's good news for me, too. So let's keep going. Now we're in uh, verse 5. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Think of that hemming in, you know, putting a fence around me because, you know, almost like the, the cattle chute. You know, sometimes I need someone to kind of direct me into the into the truck. And I, I imagine that or I imagine my grandpa or my dad putting putting their um, hand on my shoulder. Sometimes it was for comfort. Right. Uh, you know, sometimes it was like to make me be strong. But sometimes it was like, whoa, there, David, you know, settle down or whatever it was. And I think that's what God does for me. That's what God did for David. Put his hand on his shoulder. Said, I've got you, man. Verse 6, and the last one in this section. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So we've been talking about, do you know me? And the answer is yes. So, so David, he's like reveling in this. He's like talking about it every which way, and he's pretty excited about it. And he gets to the end, and he steps back, and he says, those thoughts are big. So let's, let's step aside for a second. Let's talk about worship. So worship, what is it? It's, what is worship? I would, I would submit to you that worship is like this intersection between knowing something about God and, and like owning it, living in it, uh, like making it part of yourself. And what I mean is... Um, if, if it was all just emotion, like, boy, God, you're awesome. We could probably worship anything, you know, the top 40, whatever you kids are listening to these days. We could turn that on, and that could be our thing. But you know what? There's this, this intersection between what we know about God and what we, like, express about him in our worship. Uh, the New Testament, Jesus says that we worship God in spirit and in truth. So if we don't know much about God, it's actually harder for us to worship, right? But when we know a lot, like David did, it's like you can live in it and you can express it and it's good stuff. I think of it like a combination lock. I like the feel of a good combination lock. It annoys me when I don't know the combination, which almost always happens and I have to go look it up. But it like feels kind of good to spin around and then you get it, you know, right finally after the third try and it pops off and then you get into whatever you want in the first place. And it, it's kind of this little sense of accomplishment. Worship is the same way for us. When we come in, if we know the combination, it is so successful. If we're willing to say, God, I've got this because I know you and I want to enjoy your presence. If I leave a sermon from Ben that I really like and I've taken good notes and it's all about God's love and his attributes and I'm like, boy, I know a lot more about God today. I've maybe missed the point a little bit. But if I leave and I'm like, God, you rock. I love you. You know what? That's worship in itself. It's not just during the singing. So I would say that David, in his understanding of God, he, it's like, God, you rock. So we know God. Now we say, are you with me? 
Verse 7. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? There's two things I want to say here. One, um, God's everywhere and we're about to see that. He's going to be, no matter where David's going to say, he's, he's going to be there. So let's talk about David. David was like a strong military man, right? He like was able to win all these battles, held the country of Israel for many years. But do you know what David, I think, did more than he fought? He ran. He ran all the time. And you know what? So he ran first from Saul and then from Absalom, his son. Probably ran from others, too. So why did he run from Saul? Well, because Saul was the king at the time. Remember God's anointed? And David's like, I can't lay a hand on God's anointed. So when they would come up to confrontations, he would hightail it out of there when, when the situation got too big. And I think he's thinking about this as he launches into the second third of this psalm. He's like, hmm, how can I get away from this? This is too much for me. So he says, where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand shall hold me. So Jonah found this out, the whole, um, well, so first we should unpack the whole um, wings of the morning and uttermost parts of the sea. So which way is north? Is that way roughly north? Okay, so imagine we're all in Jerusalem. Everybody should be looking that way for just a second because we're looking north here on a big map. Okay, which way does the sun rise? Okay, it rises this way. Very good. Which way is the ocean? This way. So it's kind of like the whole east-west thing, right? Okay, now you can look back at me. You guys are terrible listeners. Hardly anybody looked that way. Just saying. So anyway, um, so, so you've got this thing where God's like, no matter how far east or west I go, you're still there. I could go up to heavens or down to Sheol, which aren't even really a possibility, right? And he's like, even there, you're there. So Jonah finds this out. And I'm going to introduce Jonah with um, the reverent words of newsboys. It says, uh, this morning I woke up kind of blue, thinking through that age-old question, how to exit a whale's digestion. It might behoove me to be heaved, head out like a comet. Hmm, I wonder what rhymes with comet. Okay, so you've got... I, that, I love that song. Maybe it was my delivery. Uh, so, uh, so, so you've got Jonah. He's in a whale because he's tried to escape from God. And he prays. God didn't hear him probably, right? Because he was in the uttermost parts of the sea. No, God heard him. And God helped him get out of the fish, however he did it. Um, but I've got to believe he was smelly and probably kind of pale afterwards from all the stomach acid. It's probably pretty gross. So what happened? Well, Jonah was like, okay, God, you want me to go 500 miles to the east. Instead, I'm going to go 2,000 miles west. Let's see how you deal with that, Lord. You know what? Lord took care of it, right? And it's the same with us. It doesn't matter where we go. God's there. So I think about uh, the places we could go, and I think about the places I go sometimes, and I feel like, is God still here? But he is. It doesn't matter where I go. I love that. Even there, your hand shall, hold, shall lead me, and your right hand uh, shall hold me. So when my kids were younger, well, even now sometimes, um, we get to a parking lot, and, and I'm like, hold my hand. And uh, because, you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid they're going to run out. You know, they're, they're, at first, they're going to hear my warning. And they're going to be like, oh, I'm so committed to, you know, being careful and everything. But they're going to, like, see a pile of dirt and or something. They're going to be like, ooh, 
and they're going to want to run up the side of it because it's awesome. It's dirt. And, and so instead of just them holding my hand, like I hold on to their hand, right? So then even when they try to go, I'm like, whoa, there, because they're getting bigger. Uh, you know, and actually, I don't end up having to do this too much. My boys are old enough. But, but I think, you know what, when they're kids, I had to hold on to them. I didn't rely on their ability to hold on me. That's where we started, right? But I didn't rely on it. I relied on my ability to hold on to them. And I'm happy to say we started out with eight kids, and I still have three left. No, kidding. <laughs> I've got all three that we were originally given. So, so God does the same thing for us. He doesn't look down on us and say, hey, Christian, you know what? It's a dangerous place out there. Hold on to my hand. Good luck. You know what? As long as you hold on to me, you're set. You know what? This verse says he holds on to me. And you know what? I love that about him because if it was purely up to me, I'd see a pile of dirt. and I'd be like, ooh, dirt. <laughs> and I'd run off, right? But he doesn't let us do that. He's like, I got you, man. So uh, thanks, God. Now I've got to get my notes back in order. Okay. Verse 11. Last verse of this section. Remember, we're studying right now. God, are you with me? If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light be, uh, and the light be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is as bright as day. For darkness is as light with you. So um, we're not going to say too much here except for the basements are scary. Like when you get onto an unfinished basement, especially if it's kind of like concrete on the floor and the lights are off and it, they can be a little freaky. I remember at night even having to go take out the garbage out of our back porch and sometimes the, the light didn't work. And I would look first, and then I would run as fast as I could. I would drop the bag in there, and then I would run back. And it's like I never once met the boogeyman, but it still scared me just a little bit. So I think about this, and I think, you know what, God? God, the boogeyman wasn't there, but God was every time. So enough said. God is with us. So then, starting in verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. I'm just going to say here that God, from the very beginning, God put us together. We're woven together. And one of those words is like embroidery. So whether you are shorter than you want or taller than you want, thinner than you want or fatter than you want, your nose is bigger than you want or smaller than you want, whether your you know, skin tone is what you want or your shoes are the size you want, you know what? God puts you here for a unique and special purpose. You're not a mistake. You're just how he intended you. And that's fabulous. So I would say own it, live it, and recognize that God has a plan for you. That's why he put you here, right? You know, he could have made you a little different. It wasn't like he wasn't able. And then verse 16, your eyes saw my unformed substance. This is important. In your book were written every one of them at this point. And he's like, God, are you active? And he's picturing this big book. And he says, you know what? It done. And two, I haven't even done them all yet. That's pretty awesome. So I'm going to say... Um, some of the really dumb things some Christian do that. How could I have 
how could I have done that and still believe that you are my Savior and my God? You know what this verse tells us? This verse tells us that God knew, not before you became a Christian, but he knew when you were born. It's like, I know everything you're going to do. He doesn't ever have buyer's remorse. He doesn't ever look down, you know, like you're looking up saying, God, how could I have done this? He's not looking down on you going, ooh, I wish we'd known about that one before he did it. Maybe we could reconsider. Not at all. He knew the days. And that's good. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, and how vast are the sum of them. If I would count them, they were more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. So there's a lot. It's back to the worship thing. We know a lot about God and we worship him because of it. Here's where it takes a little bit of a left turn for me. And I'm not going to be able to describe this perfectly well, but let's read it and I'll give you some thoughts. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. So I'll offer up three thoughts. One, I think this is a pretty natural progression. You've got David saying, God, you know everything. And you're here and you're active. How is it possible that there are still bad things happening? And, and, and David's confused by it. And God does not necessarily offer him an answer right in this, in this chapter. Number two, I would say, you know what? We should probably pray more like David sometimes and less like sanctified church members. I think sometimes we're so thoughtful about do our prayers sound right and are they biblical that there's things going on in our heart that we could offer up to God and be like, God, this is the way I'm feeling. You know, I need either for you to confirm it and work with me or help me move past it. And number three, poetry is like this. It's, it's like a sincere offering. Uh, have you ever written poetry? Like when I was in college, probably some more of my angst-ridden years, um, there'd be times when I'd have these deep thoughts, right? And I'd be like, I don't know how to express these. I need to get them out. So I'd write poetry. It was terrible. But it still, it meant a lot to me, right? Uh, so, you know, I look at David, and he writes pretty good poetry. But he's, he's putting out some pretty raw thoughts. would say, take it, read it, pray to God about it. And then we get to the end. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let's say you come to the end of this chapter and you think, God, I'm going to offer myself up to you. You know what? There's things that I've gotten rid of in my life, but there's more left to do. Don't pray this, Christian, unless you know that you're ready to react to God. You're ready to do what God would have you do when he points those things out, right? So I'm going to say that there's two types of people in this world. Um, There's those who can extrapolate from incomplete data. Which one are you? If you don't know Christ, you're going to be maybe in that camp. You're going to be like, there's things I don't know. So in just a minute, we're going to pray. Some of the elders are going to come up along the side. There's people here that you could talk to to say, you know what? I need help extrapolating from incomplete data. I hear that there's this God who knows me and loves me. And I don't fully get it. So let's pray. Dear Lord, thanks for this day. Thanks for this chance to study your word. Thanks for David. Thanks for Psalm 139 where he opens up his heart to you. And then 
by extension to us. Thanks for recording it so that we could see it. We love you, Lord, and we just ask that if if there's any part of us that's not right with you, God, that you'd help us see it, you'd convict us of it, and that you'd help us move forward. You'd uh, make us merciless in um, making changes where you point them out. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.